0: Hello and welcome to A Book and a Bottle, a new public service for people who love books and booze and who doesn't love books and booze. I'm Damien Barr, author and Sunday Times drinks critic and my life is all about drinking and thinking and hangovers. Every month we will be choosing for you a surprising and delicious novel pairing. Would Bridget Jones choose Chardonnay now? Is Jay Gatsby a champagne man? Not that he drinks very much. How tipsy is Ulysses? As well as our recommendation, there will be a bibulousography featuring all the booze from our chosen book. All the books and the bottles are available to buy individually and as gift subscriptions. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. Or should I say evening because we're having wine, so it's, it's not the afternoon anymore, let's face it. And very soon it will feel like midnight um i am Damien barr i am your host for this event a very special edition of our book and a bottle salon and i've only just realized and i don't know if you know it too but this is the final event of this year's times and sunday times Cheltenham literature festival yes oh i know um so we're closing the festival in rock and roll style um with lots to drink and with a frankly very rock and roll author. Um, In a very brave cultural endeavor, we are matching novels with wine. So forget wine and cheese, this is literature and wine. Um, and each month we choose uh, a classic novel um, or a contemporary novel. This month is a contemporary novel. Um, and we have a short list of wines, which is um, done in conjunction with the lovely people at Corny and Barrow. So what a fantastic guest to have, one of my favourite writers. She goes where other writers fear to tread. Her novels reach the parts that other authors are afraid to even acknowledge exist. The Mandibles um, opens in 2029, and in America, Um, which is collapsing under the weight of Trump-style debt. In fact, the book is increasingly prescient. It's like she's a witch. Um, It's all coming true. Um, But um, the the mandibles are a very rich family. They expect to inherit money, um, but their fortunes erode with the rest of America. So the American dream becomes an American nightmare. Do the mandibles survive? What should they be drinking as Rome burns? To find out, please welcome Lionel Shriver. I'm just gonna move my seat closer to you, you feel far away. Um, so which bit you're gonna read for us? Um,
1: I'm gonna read about halfway through the novel. And uh, the main characters you need to focus on here uh, is Florence and Avery. Florence, the older sister, and her, and her younger sister Avery. And Avery has hitherto been the far more affluent of the two sisters. Florence works in a homeless shelter But at this stage in the book, she is the only person in the entire household who has a job. Closing the basement door behind her, Avery emerged from the stairwell. Lowell and I contribute to joint expenses, but I wasn't aware that our money had become everybody's money. Avery, are you an alcoholic? Oh, please, are you an alcoholic? because that's the only explanation. Our witless Presidente, having renounced the national debt doesn't mean we're on war rations. For me, a glass of wine at the end of the day, Avery, I haven't seen you drink a glass of wine since you were 14. (laughs) Strip away all the joys of life and it's not worth living strip away all the booze and life's not worth living. That is how alcoholics think. If I'm wrong, prove it and send the wine back. This is out of order, Lowell lumbered up from the basement entrance as well. Your sister and I are over 21. May not approve of how we spend our funds, but just because we're guests in your home, I realize that you have a lot invested professionally in the notion that this is a temporary economic downturn, Florence said, but we don't know how long this spiral is gonna last or how deep it's gonna go, and between us, we have four children to feed. It's your son, Avery said, who keeps harping on about how we have to convert dollars into hard assets that could be used as barter. Oh, don't be disingenuous. Florence's voice had hit its less attractive upper register. Yes, of course I've heard how over in the park, alcohol and high-nick e-bacco are used instead of money, but you're drinking your currency. Listen, this whole communal arrangement only works, Lowell said, if we maintain some boundaries. Oh, how am I to maintain any boundaries when the primary asset I'm pulling with Nolly, Kurt, and your whole family is my house? That's what this is really about, Avery shouted. You have to have total control over everything we do in your house. Now you're the big mama bear, and we have to ask permission to drink or to use curse words or eat non organic chicken. Any chicken. That's what this is about. Any chicken. Drawn by the commotion, Esteban slipped out the main front door. Hey, even in my old neighborhood in North Belport, this sort of shouting match was considered low rent. What's la disputa, amigos? If the dash of Spanish was meant to inject a note of jocularity, it didn't work. You and I only allow ourselves to have sex every two weeks, Florence said, so we can make a tube of spermicide for my diaphragm last for months. You wouldn't even take ibuprofen for that muscle strain last week because the bottle's almost finished. Meanwhile, these guys are self-medicating their hearts out, though their investment in the necessity of two bottomless glasses of Chardonnay is, I'm informed, none of my business. As Florence rarely lost her temper, Esteban seemed uncertain how to kid gloves her down to earth. Mmm, he said, waggling his hand. Whether that's our business is a gray area. It's our business the minute they exhaust their savings, Florence said, at which point it will retroactively become our business, how they wasted that money before they threw themselves on our mercy. Maybe everyone needs a safety valve, Esteban submitted. He'd been missing his dose Equis himself. One small indulgence. Small? We're not talking an airline miniature here, but cases and cases. Two cases, Avery said scornfully. Indulgence, Florence fumed. Think I would like to go out to eat with my boyfriend once in a while or catch a movie like a normal person? Wouldn't I rather have been able to buy my son a proper 15th birthday present in January instead of scrawling on a lousy card? Why do you people think I'm totally fine with going without chocolate and bacon and real coffee? Why wouldn't I miss having wine from time to time? I used to love doing a couple of lines of Coke, too, in case you think I'm some party-pooping priss, and I don't buy that either any more than I save up my salary to go on vacation in Italy. My name's Florence. And I'll never get there, will I? I'll never go. Because every dime I make goes toward making sure nine other people aren't starving to death. Don't you think I'd also like a a little whimsy, a little lightness, a little spontaneity in my life? Because I'm sick of everyone acting like I'm Tight and stingy and mean and stinting because I chose to be like this because I'm a killjoy, because I have no sense of fun, and I work in a homeless shelter because I'm grim by nature. I hate my job, you hear me? I would love to quit, and I can't because I'm apparently some earth mother chump. We should obviously move out, Avery said. All this pent up resentment. I knew you were keeping things in, but don't be ridiculous, Florence said, stamping her foot. Where do you plan to go with a husband whose head's in the clouds and three kids? We'll think of something, Avery muttered. If you could think of anything, you wouldn't be here. Florence's arms were folded and she was glaring while Avery's head was bowed and she'd started to cry. Screaming out in the open, having been cathartic, Florence couldn't sustain the fury. Since childhood, she'd always been a sucker for her sister's tears. Sighing, she crossed the three segments of sidewalk between them, opened her arms, and took Avery to her chest. At length, all four effected a rapprochement in the basement over a Chenin Blanc from upper New York State. (laughs) One glass of which put Florence off her face after not having had a drink in months. This wasn't their first fight, and wouldn't be their last. But they could all reach giddy heights of rage and vituperation, after which the principals simply stood there and were obliged in due course to shuffle off to their assigned mattresses. It was one more luxury the Mandible family could no longer afford, a permanent falling out.
0: That was, a, fan- that was a, a fantastic reading. I thought you were going to levitate with rage part <laughs> of the way through that. Um, well, so I think
1: you can see why I chose that scene.
0: <laughs> it's full of wine. I have to say, um, I'm with Avery on this one. I, I think am it too. W- it would be one of the last <laughs> things you to tell? go. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. What, would I, what would I be squirreling away? Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't be spline. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, Let's talk about the situation itself and just how dire it is. There's there's a partly early on in the book where one of the characters is being outraged. They're eating cabbage and it costs $20. And the New York Times has gone... Newspapers have gone. It seems books have gone to... This this whole
1: book is... Is, is packed with my deepest fears. You yeah. no New York Times, not being able to get any wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, there's a, a, one of the characters says to other, why would you have books? Why would, you know, when you move house, you have to take them with you. Why would you take books with you? It's like taking all your old eggshells. So I was like, ah, it's, <laughs> it's terrifying. But yet, you know, you, you, can, you can see that it might happen. Um, when I emailed Lionel um, to ask her to take part in this event, Um, I asked her for some thoughts, or her thoughts, about wine um, and she said, and I agree with her about all of this, I hate Pinot Grigio, whose popularity confounds me. Why pay for alcohol-enhanced water? Agreed. Pinot Noir is rarely worth the risk, it's usually acidic and thin. I do slightly disagree with you about that, okay. we can find some good ones. I like bombastic wines, in whites the Alsatians like dogs, like Pinot Gris, or a good dry Gewurz, in reds my real passion, anything you can eat with a knife and fork. Malbec, Syrahs, Mervedra. and my favourite grape has to be Cabernet Sauvignon. So we have come now to the wine part of this evening, um, and joining us uh, to talk you through the tasting is the lovely Rebecca Palmer from Corney and Barrow, Please welcome her.
2: Hello. So they've
0: actually been really good and not, the glasses are, you What's know, they're not with empty. What's wrong people? This, I tell you what, in Edinburgh they'd have been empty. If this was the <laughs> Edinburgh Festival, they'd have been empty at the door. Um, so um, we've got three, three glasses in front of us. Well, first of all, Rebecca, how did you go about choosing a shortlist for this book?
2: I was looking uh, and, and selected some of these wines because they were quite obvious, you know. They were mentioned in the text themselves and actually the choices that, well, I felt the choices that Lionel had made were already quite pointed and slightly sly in a good way. So I mirrored those, um, and then some of the choices were you know, about the characters and how perhaps you could see elements of, of the characters in the wines themselves.
0: OK, so shall we, s- do you want to talk mm. us through wine A, or wine one as it is, um, which is the white wine which is on your left? Tell us yeah. about that.
2: Well, mm. uh, Viognier is mentioned uh, early on in the book when um, the two characters, Avery and Lowell, are having people round to dinner And the text mentions um, a girding glass of Viognier, and also Avery mentions that when she bought this wine... um, What does she say? I wrote it down here. The exchange rate with the Nouveau Franc must have been ghastly, and that she'd hidden the receipt in the trash can. I found that quite amusing. Um, But the idea of the Viognier, I think, for me, it felt sort of a little bit like a sly choice. It's just wine savvy enough. Yeah. Sort of you know, Farrow and Ball as opposed to Dulux, which is probably Pinot Grigio, and just show that they were in the sort of set that would, yeah. would would have known to drink uh, Viognier rather than, you know, basic... Um, well, it's, the,
0: it's their everyday white, isn't it? It's their everyday drinking everyday. white. And
2: also, um, I'm
1: interested in the fact that wine has fashion, has fads in mm. it yeah. in the same way that, that dress does. And uh, this was only one of the only wines I could think of that hadn't become super popular during my lifetime. What do
0: we think? Do we, are we enjoying? Are we mm-hmm. enjoying the Viognier? Are the glasses now really empty? I like mean, it? they're it's your glasses. Really you can empty them. You can just go for it now. You've had to wait long enough. Under 10 quid. Um,
1: no kidding. Yeah, this is under ten quid. Yeah, you shouldn't whisper. You don't have to whisper. The price is important. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: no, I think I think actually it's an incredibly Mm. good value um, wine, and I definitely think that it doesn't taste like it's less than a tenner. Do you think? Mm. No, it doesn't. I know. No, I think it's great. And I love the food it. and it's interesting tasting it today, which is quite a kind of sunny warm day. It's it is. definitely
2: It brings up the perfume. It Actually totally it's it's, much it's more nice aromatic. but it's not too cold. You can really yeah. taste it. Yeah. Yeah. Lowell would be drinking this in his pink suede loafers. You know yeah. when he goes out and gets attacked yes. at the supermarket and he's yes. wearing pink suede loafers. There's yes. something of that in this. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I, I digress.
0: Um, it's a lovely digression. So um, if you want, I think you should finish that before we move on to the next one, because it won't be so great if you, if you go back. I do encourage you all just to knock it back. Otherwise, it'll go to waste. Um, so tell us about um, wine number two,
2: Well, wine number two, and I have various options, but I ended up coming back to this one, is a Chateauneuf-du-Pape, which is an area, an Appalachian area in the Rhone Valley in the south of France. It's a very warm area and it makes a sort of quite a robust wine, quite rich with loads of kind of baked fruit kind of flavours, licorice. It's quite punchy, something a bit angular about it, but also warm hearted. And I was trying to think of a wine that would somehow mirror... The Nolly character, and this is the wine <laughs> that I ended up coming up with. I was—I started off thinking, you know. I hope
1: I got across <laughs> the fact that Nolly <laughs> is completely obnoxious.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: when, when Nolly first. Um, came into the book and she's upstairs doing her jumping jacks for 30 oh. minutes and <laughs> and y- there's this yeah. sort of worried comment from Esteban who says queso <laughs> what yeah. earth is going on upstairs and, and thinks that it's house improvements or something and you know then Nolly comes down and she's quite you know describes her as short and bony and quite angular but she's powerful mm. and you know, as time goes on, you, you just see that she's got this sort of you know, warm spirit and this, this kind of richness. And I just thought this wine, which, mm. you mm. know, warms up in the glass, it's got all this richness to it. And it's a mm. bit Christmas cakey and wintry and autumnal. But
0: it's not actually heavy, though. No. It's not heavy. You know, for neuf du pape it's actually surprisingly Light. I mean, it's very young, isn't it? Is it how old? It's, it's not very young. Yeah, 20 f- 2014. Yeah. So won't I think it won't be so
2: young in, ni- in 2047, No, though.
0: it won't be. So if we're drinking forward, yeah. um, <laughs> then it'll be... No, but I mean, it, I think it's great now, but it is very vital, isn't it? It's yes. Like, you yeah. know, there's a it's lot going a on It's got a brightness to it. Yeah, it's very bright and very fruity. What are, what are we thinking of this? Are we enjoying it out there? Nodding?
2: Um, it's also
1: long-lasting, which is... Appropriate for somebody who's quite elderly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, has a, it has a geriatric finish. <laughs> 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 um, Long in the mouth. It's yeah. very good for survival Stim- the stimulation <laughs> therapy. <laughs> um, and how much is it?
2: Twenty-eight ninety-five, I think, okay. at the moment, so, okay. before the, the Nouveau Franc. Before the Nouveau Franc. Uh, and obviously,
0: <laughs> it's, it's a, so what's in it? It's a blend or...? It's
2: a blend, actually, yeah. as mm. um, the Southern Rhone wines tend to be based on the Grenache grape variety and Syrah mm. um, grape. And typically, Grenache is sort of all about a sort of baked fruits element, quite generous and mm. sort of punchy, um, whereas Syrah is a bit more dark and and savoury, often. But there's
0: something else in there, though. There's I'm more. Start,
2: uh, you Nord know I've
1: never noticed it before, but I, there is something about the way wines uh, are described that would translate perfectly into fiction for descriptions of characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Note to self. Mm-hmm. Note <laughs> <Yeah>. to self. <laughs> um, okay, so if, I think if we can get or oh, the Western is being poured. So talk us talk us through the the Western, Rebecca.
2: Well, this is one of England's top examples and top answers to Champagne. It's made from grape varieties that form the basis of Champagne mm-hmm. as well and it's grown on the same chalk soil and structure as you find in in Champagne which is essentially the Paris mm. Basin that goes under the channel yeah. and comes up through the south of England. I feel like a weather girl now and I'll <laughs> stop. <laughs> um, it's a tiny estate I'm um, just Uh, uh, 16 acres and was only planted a a very few years ago and is already already making absolutely Mm world-class sparkling wines yeah
0: the way i feel about this is if i wasn't already married i'd get married again just so i could have it at my wedding (laughs) that is literally i would maybe even commit begamy just so i could have it because i do i do think it's that special yeah
2: What you get in the glass as a result of this and also as a result of of the winemaking techniques are just a a, a really lovely, fresh, delicious, moussey, appley wine. And actually one of the keys to um, really good quality sparkling wine, as I'm sure um, you probably know, is the way in which the bottles are aged and you can't actually take any shortcuts to make really, really good sparkling wine by the traditional method. You just have to let the wine stay horizontal yeah. so that it can do its stuff. I mean, I would look fabulous if I'd been horizontal for four years.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, you know, it's the same for this wine. No, you wouldn't. No, I probably wouldn't. If I'd been turned a few times, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think does all those jumping jacks? <laughs> That's true. Well, effectively, what's happening? You know, I have to rep- repost to this now. What's happening is that the wine inside the bottle is doing some s- some little jumping jacks all,
1: <laughs> all yeah. throughout
0: this the time. The whole time. yeah
1: I fact- expect you to. Use Use this in your wine writing in future.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but actually, what's interesting is that this process whereby the wine takes on these flavours and the texture becomes softer, and you almost don't feel that the, mm. the bubble. It's mm. so soft. Yeah, it's very, in a wine like very this. delicate. Um, and that's because of this time it spends, um, you know, horizontal in the dark. The small
1: bubble makes a big mm. difference. Well, the it small does.
2: bubble is, is a sign of quality, and it's a direct result of this process. Yeah. There's one good
1: plot reason to choose a oh. sparkling wine, though. Nolly and, and her grandnephew go on a trip and make a discovery of a, an underground bunker. Uh, which is kitted out with vast amounts of food, drugs, uh, you know, medical drugs. um Yeah, not the fun drugs. Yeah, not the fun drugs. And an empty gun cabinet, which is suggestive that something went wrong. (laughs) Um, All of the residents are dead. And the other thing that they've got, they left behind is a huge uh, wine cellar. And the suggestion is that it was a bunch of old, extremely wealthy people got, who got freaked out by the civil unrest of the implosion of the economy and decided to wait it out below ground with everything they needed. There is one unbroken bottle of champagne. Magnum. Oh. And sh- they take that back to the car and having been rather sobered by all those dead bodies... Um, end up uh, turning on the driverless function on their on their car. <laughs> well, this is the future, and uh, sit around getting drunk, swigging uh, <laughs> a warm bottle of champagne through the neck. So actually, it was perfect. <laughs> it should just be Thank kind you. of warm. Yeah, <laughs> and you've just Darn made the it. case
0: for driverless cars, which I've never actually understood. Well, you know, before. driverless
1: cars could could no, make um, uh, uh, the whole thing of being given a summons for driving while drunk, that's thing of the past.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to take some some questions now. Yes, gentlemen at the back. Thanks for the book, Lionel. Do you drink whilst you're writing, and what <laughs> were Does you drinking? Does seem that way? I'm a little worried. And what, and what were you drinking when you made Ed Bulls as future prime minister? <laughs> I want some of Look, that. You guys,
1: you guys voted him in. Um, no, I don't drink while while I'm writing. Though I have to say that cracking a bottle at the end of the day is certainly my reward yeah. for writing. Um, I don't think that drinking in, is especially conducive to productivity. Aside from this excellent event, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's an evil genius. <laughs> Delicious.
0: Was it Tennessee Williams who said, uh, "Write drunk, edit sober," or I always forget if it was the other way around. If it's <laughs> That's probably something that I've been. I think you'll I'm find. You,
1: I think you'll find that most <laughs> writers of yeah. any repute did yeah. not do uh, at least their best work. Yeah. Uh, when they were alcoholics, but yeah. um, became alcoholics and then did kind of rubbish work. I mean that's that's the usual pattern, and I haven't quite finished with that project.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your question. Um, who else?
2: Can I ask the panel what they think Kevin's mother? would be
0: drinking. Oh, my God. As, oh. in, we, as in we still need uh, to talk about Kevin. Let's start with a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I don't think she would give a shit.
0: <laughs>
1: um
0: I, yeah, I think Pinot lot, Grigio, I, though. No, no, no. No Pinot Grigio, but no. I, I,
1: I'm afraid that uh, that Eva is probably drinking a lot of red plonk. Yeah.
0: I'm, and, I, I'm Eva, Eva
1: is definitely beyond the... uh Yeah.
0: She's beyond no. this world. No,
1: it's just like
2: <laughs> doesn't touch the sides.
0: <laughs> that's a really good question. Thank right? you very much. That was a great question. That's a great question. Just out of interest, what's the favourite in the room? So if you if you liked number one best, would you hold up your hand? Uh, okay, so that's like about a maybe a third. Certainly and then the third. and then the number two, the Chateauneuf. Oh. the serious wine drinkers. Okay, they're like yeah. And number three. That's what Everybody I Everybody loved the Sparksmore. That's what one. I predicted. The Western is your clear winner. Well, look, I want you to join me. We're closing the Cheltenham Literature Festival. Please join me in thanking my two fantastic guests, Rebecca Palmer and Lionel Shriver. Thank you all for being here. <laughs>